0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Good Vibes of Jason B., a Broad Minds and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason B., and tonight we're going to talk about knowing someone who is homeless. Um, it's an interesting and in-depth uh, episode, uh, very enlightening for myself, definitely uh, very heart-wrenching, um, to say the least. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience over the weekend with someone that I happen to know um, or knew. Uh, for quite a long time and a friend of mine is is homeless so we're going to talk about him in just a moment so stay tuned for another edition of good vibes jason b a broad minds and more podcast ladies and gentlemen introducing your host mr jason b So it's so good to be back on the airways, and uh, thanks for uh, the intro. Uh, thanks, PDE, Life in Alaska. Great guy, great freestyle rap artist, um, just a you know good person, and I appreciate uh, his intros that he makes for me. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw him some uh, some bones over his way in uh, in appreciation. So PDE, be on the lookout for some donations. So let's get right into the issue. Um, this issue's or this episode's actually called uh, "Knowing Someone Homeless." so for a long time i've always been an advocate for the homeless people um i haven't done a lot of volunteer work but i have done some and i happen to i've come across people and i've helped people along the way i'm not looking for anything in return i'm just kind of you know i i see the the possibilities in helping people turn their lives around you know and in the, these day and times, I mean, when people are talking about politics and trying to earn more money, trying to raise the minimum wage, trying to lower taxes, all that of political BS um, still doesn't escape the fact that the homeless population across the United States is growing and growing. When they're talking about prosperity, so I'm gonna talk about my experience about with my friend Jay, and I'm not gonna give his full name but in protection of his, his identity. So I ran across this guy uh last uh, Friday um, I happened to go the uh, I happened to go to the emergency room on Friday night and I thought I'd ruptured my eardrum you know I was in a room that there's just, the music was way too loud and it, it just made me crumble and so I went to uh, I got checked out and um, then I um I went to a pharmacy you know and uh, that one was closed and then I ended up having to go to Safeway. And uh, they were closed. They were their pharmacy was closed. So, but well, before I got to the pharmacy that I I got to go to, I ran across this guy named Jay I know, and is just that's the first letter of his name. So Jay happened to be somebody that I had worked with for many years at Romano's Macaroni Grill, and he started as a bus person, and then he became a waiter. And he just he was a hustle. You know, he, he hustled. He worked hard. He had a great girlfriend at the time he, he he went. he did a lot of great things you know he'd been through the he's been through some things and then uh a few years back or actually more than five years six years um he got into a bad car accident um with a coworker of mine they were on their way to a party they're in a relationship and you know he got thrown out of a vehicle and he went through some serious recovery so in his recovery you know they had pain meds and he he kind of got addicted to pain meds and then from there It just all went downhill it it really did it for him you know and when i was talking to jay he just rolled up on me and saw hey jay what's up man you know and he said jason hey uh, you know i need your help with some legal help you know he rolled up on me on a beat up mountain bike and had a tow um uh one of those things that you you tow kids little ones in you know that hooks up to the back of your bike and he had his stuff and he just rolled up and you know and he talked to me and he was just some he's like i'm i can't see my kids man you know the sheriffs you know and they got this uh protection order against me and it's supposed to be expired and they accused me of raping my kids and all this other shit and i was just like whoa whoa he's up man, he's up man so we're talking and uh he was telling me his story and what was going on. He just wants to see his kids. And I, I just said, yo, Jay, you know, um, you look looking pretty bad shape, man. And, and this is a young guy. I, I'd have to say he's maybe young thirties or maybe late twenties. I think he's young, 30, maybe 31, maybe 30. So he rolled up and he was slurring his language. And I could tell he's kind of high and I can tell that, uh, you know, he he, just by looking at his hands, he'd been he's homeless, you know. And so he explained what he needed legally, needed help, uh, someone who'd kind of fight for him to be able to see his kids. And I remember quite a few times I seen him at the same store. I seen him at Safeway and picking up his daughters. Two had uh, I don't know if they're twins, but their girls are pretty damn close in age, and just they're beautiful little girls, you know and i'm looking down at his hands and it's just like filthy like grimy worse than a mechanic and he didn't smell too bad i didn't i really couldn't but i could tell he he'd been sleeping outside so he asked for my help and he's like jay i need anything and i said okay well let's let's get down to the nitty-gritty of first i'm not here to preach to you second i'm here to help you not do for you and third whatever help i do offer it's on you to use it's for you not for me and i just want to see the best for you do we have that understanding he's like yeah all right okay and so i asked him a few questions i'm like oh okay bro man to man are you on drugs and he goes he didn't want to say." and he's like he like paused i said well let me rephrase that have you done drugs recently yes what drugs have you done? And he's like, uh, I did some crank. And I said, Oh, and, and so it started making sense. I said, okay. I said, uh, how long have you been homeless for? And he's like, well, three years. I said, what about your family? You know, he's like, well, my mom lives with my sister. My sister got with a guy and he's an ex-drug addict and he don't want me nowhere near. And just no one's giving me a fair chance. And I said, well, Jay, didn't you, weren't you just working for, for Vanessa at a restaurant? And he's like, Yeah, but I got fired. Well, what'd you get fired for? He's like, well, showing up, showing up to work, on drugs, and showing up late. And then, but he's all, but you know, I'm on my bike, and you know, I'm I'm like, oh, okay, I got you. And um, just listening to him, you know, and he's starting to explain himself, how he got where he at, and I said, okay, well, so the next step is, is like you know, how long do you want to live like this? And he was asking me and answering me, honestly. And he goes, I really don't, I'm so tired, man. I don't want to live like this. And I said, where are you staying? He's like, most of the time I'm sleeping under bridges and it's not safe. And it's cold. I get sick. I get sad. I don't have my girlfriend anymore. She's with some other dude. And my kids, I don't see them any hardly as much. I could see them once every week for four hours, supervised, and on and on and on, you know. And I said, "Well, I said from from my position, it doesn't look good, Jeremiah, or I mean Jay." And he goes, uh, "He goes, no, it doesn't. Just you know." And he's trying to come up with all these different excuses of why his life is where it is. And I said, and then why his ex-old lady is, is being mean to him and not letting him see his kids. And I said, well, if you were to look at, from my point, and I'm, I'm the judge, what would you say? Because let's let's face it, we're we're judged on our appearance. We're judged on our presentation. We're judged on how we compel ourselves and, and hold ourselves in char- good character. So he was like, yeah, you're right, man. There's nothing I can say and he was about to get down on himself and he was about to just like walk away and cry. I said, hold up, hold up, hold up, Jay. Um, But in order to help you, we got to help rebuild you. There's a lot of things that that are coming with your situation that are not going to be easy to handle. And he's like, yeah, I know. And I said, how long you been hooked? And he's like, well... He was telling me about his accident the real bad one that he was in and uh he got money i I don't know if he got a settlement or whatever but he did he got some money he uh kind of was like living where he wasn't working and he's just you know he had some money or whatever and when the pain meds stopped you know when doctor stopped prescribing him he started with other stuff And then he, you know, he got with somebody, he got with a woman, had two kids and, you know, typical young situation, you know, you're not solid on your relationship and, and so on and so forth. And he was just telling me, he's like, I just, I just, I'm tired. No one's going to give me an opportunity. I said, have you burned all your bridges? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no one, no one will take me in. And I said, so it's pretty bad, right? So do you feel this is your bottom? And he's like, yeah, I I feel like it's my bottom. I said, okay, now we can start. So, well, the next most important thing is know that your journey is not going to be easy. But there'll be a great reward if you go through and take the help that I and many others are going to give you. But you're going to have to do for yourself. Don't expect necessarily handouts. Don't expect people to give you a fair shot because I think you've done enough to kind of have people just think bad of you and your reputation, right? He's like, yeah. I said, okay. So long as you, as long as you know that I said, are you high? Or are you on something now? And he's like, he didn't want to admit it, but I could tell. So, you know, I said, in order to get you see your kids more, we're going to have to get you established and I said, "Do you have a social worker? Anything, caseworker? Have you ever been arrested?" It's like, "No, I've been never. I've never been arrested." I said, "Okay." And he was, t- you know, he was talking to me. He's just like, and he's like one of the fortunate ones because I've seen people on meth and crank and all that other shit, and let me tell you, they look pretty messed up. They just tore up from the floor up. They got scabs and missing teeth and. It is it's a horrible sight, which you can see what crank and meth can do to a person. And trust me, I've seen beautiful people in my past really just go ugly, so to speak. So he's talking to me and he's like, Yeah, my caseworker she's gave me a list of rehabs that I can go to and help restart my life and training and stuff. And I said, Okay. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna meet with you once or twice a week and the best thing that you can do is we got to change your circumstances we got to rebuild you and re- and change where you'll be living and change who you're around so on and so forth you know you got to change the way that you uh you conduct business and who you work for and what you do because you're gonna to have to walk away from a lot of people and you're gonna to have to build brand new relationships you're gonna to have to build brand new trust and that's no easy not easy. He's like, I'm ready to do it. I said, okay. So I said, Monday, we're gonna look at your um, your list of, of of places you can go, like by the county and the state. You know, they'll offer and help pay for addicts rehabs when they're homeless. You know, to a point. And my experience with drugs is, you know, um, my father's been a drug addict. Uh, my sister's been an addict. Um, my brother's been uh, somewhat of an addict, but he's actually pretty clean and sober uh, for the most part. And I've just known a lot of other people, you know, growing up and, you know, drugs has not been, it's not been um, silent in my family and the friends that I know. A lot of people have got just gone down that rabbit hole and never come back and some people have gone down the rabbit hole and they've come back and they've forever changed. So I talked to Jeremiah and he's just like I mean Jay, excuse me. Well, let's just say it. His name's Jeremiah. So we're get right down to it. So I I talked to him and um you know I, I just kind of said, you know, I'm going to be if you have one sober friend out there, I'm going to be it. And we're going to build more sober friends. And we'll build a solid group. But in order to do that, we got to build a solid you. Because it's easy to fall right back into your, your circumstances. So he was like, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down to do that. I said, like, Okay, Monday after five o'clock, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about this shit. You know, we're going to talk. We're going to have a conversation and we're gonna get him right so to speak and um you know it it was just heart-wrenching looking at jeremiah you know because he still looks young and this is an issue that's not easy to talk about and so many people talk about so he's willing, he's hit ro- his rock bottom, and I don't know, I don't, I don't necessarily trust him, but I don't necessarily not trust him. If the man says he needs, wants to get help, he wants to change his situation, he wants to see his kids, so be it. So I went over and talked with him. I said, okay, well, we're going to check you, are you willing to check yourself into a rehab, and intake facility to get you clean? And he's like, whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes. And... And so I'm in pain trying to talk to this guy, and I need to go to the pharmacy, and you know, my ears hurt, so to speak. And gave him my phone number, text him, everything. And so we're gonna see what's gonna happen tomorrow. But this is only just the beginning of the story, you know, and it's not just about, you know, Jeremiah. So it's interesting when you don't know a homeless person you, you, like you see him it's easy to kind of ignore them and kind of just brush them off the side they're dirty people and you just hope to god that that ain't going to be you you know and i just it may i i i purposely a lot of times i avoid the homeless i avoid looking at them i don't want to acknowledge them a lot of times but i know in my heart that's not the right thing to do And the homeless population in the United States is growing in a drastic rate. People are losing their jobs and there's no jobs necessary. creation of jobs are for the youth. Creation for the jobs that are the workforce that already exists, it's like a limiting thing. And I really strongly believe that. You know, I mean, who's really going to give a chance to someone who's 50 years old or 40 years old or 35 years old to retrain them and put them in a tech industry or put them in a valued industry you know and then let's and then they don't want to pay the big companies small companies they don't want to pay you unless you have some expertise that can't be ignored so and that's that's a reality and so my question as i was talking to jeremiah was more like um you know how did you get to this point? You know, you had a family. You had people who loved you. People cared for you. You just pissing it away. So we're going to talk about that in our next segment and we're going to take a brief little break. so part two and uh, we're back so after i got to talking to jeremiah about his situation and learning about him and listening to so many other homeless um there's a lot of assumptions about the homeless um a lot of people say well, why can't they get jobs there's there's social services there's they they're addicted to drugs but do you ever bother to ask like how in the hell do they get there and why would you do drugs? I mean, how can you afford to do drugs if you're homeless? It does doesn't add up. It's a pro, it's it's a progress thing. It's kind of like, I guess I would have to say like, uh, kind of like being institutionalized in a prison, which I don't know anything about. You know, I I know a few ex cons, but they could they could explain it like you know how rough it's, you know, survival of the fittest, so to speak, and. And that's the same with being homeless. I mean, the people, you're dirty, you know, they don't want you camping on their highways, riverways, levees, even in the country, um, next to buildings or sleeping on streets. People get disgusted by it. And they're like, how could a person just lay there, fall asleep on the sidewalk and they just don't care? You know, I've seen them from San Francisco to Los Angeles, San Diego, you know, um, countless places. I've traveled a lot of different places and uh, it's all the same. Big city, little city, small town, you know, whatever, village. Homelessness is is an ugly thing and it's it's growing and growing and growing because, let's face it, the economic stability of the United States is not as solid as people think, and as much as these politicians claim that we're doing the best we've ever done, but the question is, is like, how? If your economy is so great, then why is the debt so high? Why isn't there more jobs created for people in their 40s, 50s? Which, you'd ask the question, well, why would you wanna do that? Because the newer generation of jobs, the tech jobs, there's there're a dime a dozen. And let's face it, most people don't want to go back to school, don't want to go back to learn, have to re-do anything, so they're going to have to do manual, you know, low tech work. You know, and they're going to have to get have something where they can survive and they're going to have to live in a community where they can actually pay a rent. And people are looking to the government to like stabilize the the housing market. Here in California, it's really it's really bad actually. We have more people moving to the city of Stockton, Stockton, California, from the San Francisco Bay Area in droves. I mean, you cannot find a house. Um I don't think you can find a house under like 150, 200 thousand That's you're you're gonna get in a starter home and it's not gonna be in the nicest of area and you're gonna have to do a lot of work. You know, and you're like and this pe- this community was not built for that. I mean, it has 300,000, I believe. And it's been considered, I forget where I read it, but it was stated that Stockton, California is the most diverse city in culture amongst all the 50 states and all major cities and whatnot. So Stockton, you know, it has its props. It has so many different, you know, types of people. So I started thinking about the situation at hand and I've always had a heart, you know, heart for homeless and, um, in hearing some of their stories, and you know, sometimes having lunch with them, talking to them, how did you get here? And that's like the first question they want to avoid. So I started rewarding my question. It looks like, oh, well, you know, you fell on hard times. You know, could you see yourself getting out of hard times? You know, and uh, what was the one major thing that got you into harder times that you're you're going through now? And these are kind of like vague questions, but they, they you know, they understood. They're like, oh, well, thank you for asking me that way, you know. And and I just was like, you know, sometimes you just can't stand the smell. But I wanted to find out. I wanted to know why. And a lot of them, a lot of the men that I've met that are homeless are, are all veterans, all suffering. A lot of them suffering from PTSD a lot of suffering from drug abuse a lot of suffering from just mental disorders you know and for some it 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 came from the military and some it came before and some came after after the military so people develop these conditions you know and they contribute to the homeless situation it's like if they can't keep a job because they're not mentally stable well then how do you expect to keep these people off the streets and it's dangerous health wise to have a a large homeless population straight out it it is it's it's very dangerous because they create a health risk they can carry disease and develop disease and you can see in history through the dark ages you know that's how like the black plague ran rampant in eastern europe wiped out whole civilizations you know the plague actually was carried on the black plague was carried over into Mexico when Mexico was being conquered you know and wiped out millions of people in the Me- in, in the Mexican areas and I say Mexican areas because Mexico and then also Guatemala and South America and and central uh, South America you know or Central America it, it's just not you know disease, has run rampant and one of the things they didn't count on the conquerors was how what a disease would do but they knew so not that i'm trying to get off the subject but the point is is like if you don't take care of your population and and try to eliminate the homeless numbers they're gonna be they're gonna interact with us they're gonna be asking us for spare change they're gonna be breaking in your properties they're gonna be doing all kinds of things whatever it takes to survive so you know i just was like okay well you know and and seeing my friend knowing him you know and, and seeing him in his condition it just it started adding a formula and so i started doing my own conductive or deductive reasoning of what is how what's carrying. so i ended up going to a barber shop um saturday yesterday and uh going to and it's like an old school barber you know, veterans all over the wall and pictures of guys who passed and guys who served, and, you know, even some of the newspaper clippings from when World War Two ended to from when it began. So it just, I mean, a lot of history. And I'm sitting in their chair and just shooting the shit. I mean, in the barbershop, pretty much anything goes. It's, it's where guys just get to talk and we just, you know, have conversation and you're not having a drink, you're being sober. And uh, a homeless guy walked in and, he was like you know i want to get a haircut can you help me out and the old guy was just like no nah, man you're gonna have to come back later and there's like a full room of guys waiting who are paying and i just was like fuck that guy does need a haircut and he smells and you know and and the guy said not in a really really mean way but kind of condescending he just said He's like, damn, the city doesn't do anything about these homeless people. They just wander in here. And I sometimes I cut their hair just to, you know, it's so disgusting. And then I have to disinfect everything. And, you know, and he just made a long story, made short, you know, and, and, and the barber's just telling me, he's like, well, what they should do is take the homeless people. And they say, the ones that are drug addicts, stick them over here. And the ones that aren't drug addicts, stick them over here. And, you know, if they have mental disease, well, let's help them out. Well, let's face it if the United States were to do that they'd have more lawsuits than anything. So they can't do that necessarily. You can't force people that are addicts you know to go and stay and stay like a camp. That's just entrapment or not entrapment it's just imprisonment you know and the and a lot of and then some of the homeless people I've, I've met um, they get arrested on purpose so that they can go get treated medically in a, in a jail or a prison. They get their teeth fixed. They get their deliced. Um, if they're suffering from any disease or virals, they get treated. They get treated well, and it, it it sometimes it makes me angry that they get treated much better than I do. And I'm a working man and paying for my benefits. And it just it it frustrates me to no end. Like when I went to the emergency room on Friday, you know um, the guy was telling me that I have a $1,500 deductible, but the bill's only worth $993. I was like, wait a second. You didn't take a CAT scan. You just took my vitals. The doctor saw my ears. It says, I'm okay. Just take this medicin med- medication. I didn't have a private room. I didn't have anything. So $993. And they saw me pretty quick within an hour or two. So if I didn't have my private room, how do we fight that shit? But you get a guy who's homeless, and they get arrested, and they get treated by medical staff by the county hospital, and they they make them all right. I mean, maybe not completely, but they they put them in a place, and they they put them in, you know. And but there is, it's dangerous being in prison or being in being in jail, you know. So it's like you got two nasty things to face. It's either go, you know, try to survive on your own and don't get killed or whatever, you know, out on the streets or don't try to get killed. Don't piss anyone off in jail and have to deal with shit, you know, mental games all the time. So it's like and get fed three times, mm, three times a day. And the thing is (coughs) excuse me. The thing is, is like What they get fed is not all that great, but their medical treatment, they get good dentists come in and fix their teeth. They got doctors treat their wounds, treat their ailments. I mean, some of these guys are pretty down. It's just, it's gross. I mean, you've seen ringworms eating people alive, eating them alive. I've seen maggots. I was watching a documentary about homeless and they're showing maggots in this guy's mouth, eating his gums. He just didn't care. So getting on with the story and thinking about the homeless people, I'm just like, oh, these people were sisters and brothers and fathers at some point. And here we got the orange menace talking about how prosperous and how great we're doing and lying to our faces and lying to farmers and good working people. I'm saying how well we're doing. And then when they point at the homeless people and they point, they're making them out to be criminals. They're making them out to be like these just nasty fucking people you'd ever meet. But you know what comes to my mind? Jesus Christ. I think about the times of, if if Christ were in the modern times, how would it be? And I think they would crucify him just as they did then. And they would do it now. People claiming religious hierarchy and all this other crap and you still can't love thy neighbor as they love thyself. They say, because you're an addict, you aren't worth it. You're just going to screw it all up. You're another statistic. And then to make it worse, these people get hooked on drugs to deal with their emotional stability or to, their condition. They're they're getting on drugs to, you know, to not feel anything. Now, how different is that from the working class and getting prescription these prescription painkillers, or smoking weed, or whatever. Now, I'm not talking shit against cannabis or anything, but they're trying to escape their situation. They're trying to mentally and physically escape, and then some people just commit suicide, and it gets worse and worse, and and then they're making people sick. It just a not, and then it's so bad right now to where a lot of people are afraid of losing their homes so I know some people work in two three jobs just to mean a one-bedroom apartment you know and that, and that and I'm not gonna lie I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that that thought has crossed my mind I have thought about well what if I got fired what if I lost my job what you know where would I be my mom can't always back me up And then to make it harder, I've got two kids that depend on me. And then I have a woman who depends on me too. And she straight out said, baby, you just got to, you got to make it work. And if I fail, if I give up, if I just say, fuck it, or if I just cop an attitude with my boss or, or if I just do the wrong thing and I put myself in a bad situation. So it's like a fear you know, sometimes you're just willing to take anything that's going to help solve the situation for now. Not alone. I mean, let alone that that's taken away from your life force. You know, you got to think about that. You know, some people can't find jobs in the, in this modern age. They're not trainable. You know, they did their time. And there's people there's I've, I've seen more and more homeless that are senior citizens they worked their careers, worked full-time jobs, got pensions and still can't afford to live in a bedroom rented out or a studio or one bedroom. They they just the, the funds don't match you know the needs. You know, my godfather, he's getting ready to go homeless. He's so overweight, you know, and he's he's whacked out of his mind too you know, he can't work as a mechanic anymore. And he's got some serious distortions. And and I pray for him. I really sincerely pray for him. So I'm like, and I'm thinking about Jeremiah, you know, and I'm thinking about him. And it's my own situation. And just like, I mean, I know I'm going to be a successful, man. I'm working at my success daily. This is something I don't take lightly. You know, I'm afraid of you know that's one of my fears is you know that i i can't work no more i can't do it no more 47 years old i got still got a lot of youth in me i still got a lot of mental capacity and the one thing that i have to have maintained is my good health my creative ingenuity and i got to go after it and i can still do that but let's face it at my age a lot of men are suffering strokes heart attacks you know cancer there's stuff there's <laughs> There's a lot of men going through a lot of shit. And then you got this thing called gentrification. And gentrification affects us all from community to community, not just the well-off cities. Because what it does is it offsets the livable conditions for communities. People go and people instead of like keeping a ghetto a ghetto, guess what? There are investment groups that will go in, buy property... Change it all over. Move people in for a high price. Displacing even more people. You know, and not treating the problems. Not treating, you know, and is it their problem? No, not necessarily. I mean, realistic, it's your own problem. You should, if you end up in a bad situation, you should fix it. Who can argue that? But I really think that God above... In, in, within, and down below, wherever he's at, at, all around, you know, and speaking as just a believer in Christ, that he would be seriously disappointed with all these people, with all these fancy churches and all these establishments saying, we want to create world peace. We want to fight poverty. We want to do all this shit. And the reality is, is that they don't. They're just telling you what you want to hear. The same thing that I've been hearing in election after election, increase education or do this, do that, you know, make America great. And it's just like, really? And you treat people that are already down like dirt. I've watched homeless people being spit at, had drinks. I've watched them dig through garbage. You know, it's just some of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in my life. And I think about my friend Jeremiah and I'm like, oh man, this dude's been homeless for three years and he's got two little girls, man. He's got two little girls that are beautiful, man. And then he came to me and he said, I want to get help, Jay. I don't want to live like this no more. I just want to see my babies. I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to I don't want to be homeless no more. That's the first time anyone's actually reached out to me. Seriously. And said. I am in a really bad, bad situation and I need your help. And I think about how many how many no's did that man have to go through? How many people just remember all the shit that he's ever done? How many people remember all the fucked up things that they've whether stealing or or fighting or just getting themselves in the bad situations, bad choice after bad choice. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake. Mistakes are are not results of of choices. They're results of choices that, that you know is a gamble. Simple as that. I don't believe in mistakes. If I make an error, guess what? It is an error. It is a failure on my part. And I have to answer to that. And when I go to work and when I do my thing, My bosses depend on my integrity, my word, and that I will fulfill the needs straight out, you know, so it is a pressure situation and I only make so much money and I'm looking at all the things that I possess, you know, I have big TV, computer, whatever, and all this stuff. And what does it all mean? It doesn't mean shit it's just for en- a lot of it's for entertainment some of it's for work it doesn't mean nothing i could be in that same guy's position i could be there if i just gave up and i think about my 12 year old in the next room over about the dad she looks up to the dad that she loves and i'm thinking about my two-year-old and the same thing and i put myself and i'm thinking you know in Jeremiah's position, I do drugs so I can escape. So I, I'm just going to survive the next day and I'm going to fall asleep and it's going to get better somehow. But I just don't want to feel that pain. So I'm like, and then you hear like in the barbershop and you're, telling, and you're hearing all these guys why these people end up homeless. Why? It's just like so much misinformation just just being taught wrong being informed wrong now i'm not saying that you can fix every person but there are definitely things that we can do within our communities we can fight the inflations stop raising your prices so much localize your supply stop depending on things that come from china start creating and making things that they want to replicate let's face it every country in the world literally looks to the united states for creativity ingenuity um the standard of success freedom so on and so forth we hear it all the time people from all around the world want to come here and live here and escape the oppressions they live in their native countries that's a fact we can't deny that you know why do you think the border issue and immigration has been such a big issue for the last? I would have to say immigration has been more of an issue in the last 30 years than ever before, worse than ever before. And they're deporting people like faster than you can blink. There's people, kids being separated from their families. Families, will, you know, there's moms and daughters. And, and dads and kids and they're risking everything. And there's people even drown. I remember reading a story I was crying about probably last year. And it was a Mexican dad who tried to tr- cross the Rio Grande. And he wasn't such a great swimmer. And he drowned with his three-year-old on his back. And seeing those pictures just tore me the fuck up, man. Let me tell you. Young guy, maybe 19 years old, thought he could swim high Water season. Probably water was probably cold. Currents were too high. They couldn't even rescue him. They washed up on the shore with a little girl. and You see the picture of him. It's like you see the little girl's head covered and underneath the dad's white t shirt and his face down in the mud. And That should never, that, that, that haunts me. Will people want to risk it all? You know, and and we should love thy neighbor. We should help each other out. And you do need to be more regionalized. You need to be more marginalized with where you shop, how you do business, and where you even work. Help each other out, you know. And you gotta resist these developers and these people that like like here's one of the things I feel is like one of the biggest problems. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in just a second. I'm gonna take a brief little break and we'll be right back. Okay, back from our break. And I almost lost my train of thought what, we're, what I was going to talk about again in regards to this issue. But, I mean, there's so many things that feed into people being displaced, not being able to survive, you know, and people promising the world. When I see these, like, these political debates, not once, not once did any of these Democratic nominees discuss about the action they're talking about health care that's I get why they're saying it but our our economy is in shambles man we don't make nothing we import more than we make and the only thing that's really keeping us alive it's not the it's not the tech industry it's agriculture we're shipping a lot of agriculture overseas we're making a lot of products for overseas that's a fact man so wake up you know, those corn farmers, psh, they're really making farm. I mean, if you look at agriculture, farmers and hunters and livestock razors and whatever, they're the ones that really fund this economy. You know, that is the food is the number one need in the world. Clean water is number two. You know, energy, clean energy is number three. And I forget, you know, the rest in order. <laughs> anyway, so... We obviously talk about like the symptoms of how people just lose their shit and just they have nowhere to go, man. And I remember like when Obama took the presidency and he was just like, oh, well, we're going to retool America and we're going to reeducate. Then just like this flood this flood of schools popping up and taking federal money and then people get these like little jobs like uh, x-ray tech and lvn and guess what the industry flips the industry says well guess what especially i'll give you an example in the hospitals a lot of friends in the hospital industry and the medical industry my friends would be like oh i have to go get my bachelor's degree to continue working i'm like what you just went to school. You went to be a tech. Well, I can't. They, they're not going to work me as a nurse or an LVN in the hospital because they th- feel that the nurses can do registered nurses can do more and registered nurses have to get their bachelors also. So my friend's like, I'm, I am I went $30,000 in the hole for a two year tech school. And now I got to go to two more years of a four year school and to just to be able to work period at a low level and then you know i see like doctors they're not even employees of the hospital they're like third-party contractors you know they're they're contracted to from the hospital or to the hospital for a certain period of time and they treat people like it's a like a conveyor belt man and and they charge a ass load of money you know and so Let's get right back into it. So the politicians are promising, oh, cheaper health care. They're ripping us off. Yes, they are. But they're not talking about the the creation of India. So we're back again, everybody. And uh, sorry about that. Anyway, so we got a lot of politicians just, you know, saying a bunch of stuff and then promising the world. And I just don't think they're doing it. I think it's just gonna have to go back to the drawing boards, period. So, you know, to make this, uh, compact this this episode, you know, it's just like, what are we doing and how are we feeding the demise of our of our people? And across the world, you know, we are not the pro- most prosperous nation that people make us out. And yet we have a lot of freedoms. We have a lot of abilities. We have a lot of possibilities. And guys like Jeremiah and, and kids like him are just getting lost in the cracks. And they're resulting to extreme measures of how to cope with their situation of no hope, no chance, no life, who's your status, who you're claiming with. And, and I think the, like the last thing that these people are thinking about is like if they're selfies or what kind of diet they're on. or um, They're just trying to think about the basic needs of shelter and not being attacked or mugged or ripped off raped you know or catch a disease or an ailment you know freezing at night not having a warm place to sleep or a bed for that matter and people look at you know the eyesores of homelessness you know along uh, along California freeways like 99 and highway 5 and 580 you will see in di- in different spots people on hillsides levee sides or whatever embankments, tents and things like that. I and mean, you're gonna see at six o'clock, you're gonna see like campfires started so they can cook and and so on and so forth. And it's like where are they getting their water? Where are they getting their food from? Where are they going to the bathroom? I mean, it's just a non onslaught of conditions. So people have to create some kind of um some kind of outlet, so to speak. To help relieve the pressure, to help fix your people. I mean, they. they I mean, you got Republicans saying, "Let's make America great again," but it, I don't see real help of helping these people out of their situation, and because they're looked at as an, a liability. It's a fact, man. So, I'm wondering out there, all of you listening, how many people of you know that someone is homeless. Someone you grew up with, someone you're related to, someone you were maybe involved with in a relationship, you know, and your kids aren't going to rescue you out of your situation. I mean, people are wor- worried about how long they're going to live, but you're not guaranteed till tomorrow and you're not guaranteed prosperity and you got to go hustle. And there's a lot of people talking about entrepreneurship and creating, you know, What I feel like when people talk about entrepreneurship, I laugh my ass off because I'm like looking at these people like, you're fucking crazy. You're crazy, man. You're talking about being an entrepreneur and you are just trying to real estate develop. You're trying to flip homes and double the price of a home and make it not affordable for people to live. You have out-of-state investors owning apartment complexes and telling the apartments, Tenants like, hey, we're gonna remodel. We're gonna boost your rent. My sister's a perfect example. She was paying like I think it was like fourteen hundred to fifteen hundred for a two bedroom. Now she's playing up to almost like I think seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars for a two bedroom. She's paying more for her two bedroom than a than someone who owns a home for a three bedroom. You know that pays maybe. Le- up to, I think I think some mortgages I see up to 1200 I think the most expensive I've ever seen was like someone who pays 5000 5000 that's somebody who has like 3000 square foot home in the pool and the whole nine and where I live what's wrong with that picture rents are more expensive than mortgages and carry much more penalties and just to even qualify to even get in many apartments you're gonna have to go through a criminal background check check you're gonna have to go through a rent Check, you're gonna have to go through a credit check. You're gonna have to, they're gonna tell you how much you make qualifies you and doesn't qualify you. It's it's that simple. They got it down to a science. They can calculate their algorithms of how much profit margin they can make, and what does it where does it where does it do? It does absolutely fucking nothing but make somebody's monopolies grow. And and what's interesting is like you know when you see in the in entertainment industry. And people talk about why I I came up with nothing and then they make bank and then they just like, they forget where their communities were and then they blow their load, they blow their money and, and a lot of the styles that they develop in the, in the, um, economically hard or poor neighborhoods, they, they go and try to replicate that. Like, I remember like, for example, wearing ripped jeans, I guess is cool. And if I may offend someone, I'm sorry, but to me, I remember back in the day having some ripped jeans was for skinny ass fit people and people that are just big and poor and that kind of shit. And then selling these ripped jeans for like $150, $200, or even $75. I mean, there's worn out jeans. I mean, I was watching some programs telling me how they make blue jeans and they're like acid washing them and shit and just like dyeing them and over you know and then, and then they're strategically cutting pants and then they're going selling at retailers and the retailers are trying to get an arm and a leg and here I am I'm thinking like dude I would rather look nice in my suit than then spend you know eighty dollars ninety dollars two hundred dollars on a pair of jeans don't get me wrong I, ha- I mean I have in my p- possession I have five pairs of jeans you know, three of them are different colors in the base, but I make them work. And if I get too big or too small, you know, it's, you get rid of the old and bring in the new, but I don't give up my stuff or easy. you know, um, fashion changes so much that as for a guy, it's like, we're so easy to be fashionable, but now there is a whole new thing where people are going into clothing consignment stores of Use clothing and they're signing they're signing like a certain amount of paycheck to wear certain fashions and recycle people are paying for recycled fashions they're going to goodwills thrift stores i mean like my girlfriend she is oh my god she is a godsend and when it comes to this she goes to flea markets and she finds stuff that's like five dollars two dollars where if I'm looking at that same stuff and I'll go to a department store and pay like $50 for a t-shirt or $50 for a dress shirt. And she goes and finds it for $5. So what they say, one man's garbage is another man's treasure, something like that. But it feeds into the situation of people being displaced. You know, if they can't afford to live, how can they afford a fashions? How can they afford their lifestyles? They can't. And what happens makes it even worse. I get offers to get credit cards every single day. Every mail day, I get a credit card offer from Capital One or Citibank, uh, Wells Fargo, uh, J.P. Morgan. I mean, I think I've had a credit card offer from every major bank, even Bank of America. And I I have a uh, Chase Bank, and then I have like, I think it's like a credit union. And I have those only two institutions. Financial institutions I'm a part of, and I've never asked. I have one credit card, and that's it. I have a debit card. I leave enough cash for me for the week so I don't go and blow it. So people are borrowing against themselves and trying to make themselves happy and be these entrepreneurial, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to create industry. And I'm just like, no, you're not. You're following the trends that what you think is going to make you money. That's a fact. That is real, people. And I know this issue is like I'm I'm I've been talking for quite a while and I got a lot to say, but when I see guys like Jeremiah who's crying, bawling his eyes out, he's on drugs, and he's telling me he can't even afford to rent a room, can't even keep a job. And the only reason why he does drugs, his selfish reason is so that he can cope to get through each day. So he doesn't have to feel the shame, the embarrassment grimy ass hands barely clean clothes sleeping under bridges how would you like that as a parent and telling your little girls that you can't see them you can't have you can't stay the night and i tell you what i cherish all my daughters i love you so much i love you so much my girls i do i i i feel you and I never forget the price and the and the burden that I I must carry what I must go through so that you can live a better life. but I don't quit just there. I think about the prosperity of my own life. and lately, I've been kind of lagging on that. I just been lazy. you know i I kind of took a break. I kind of checked out and my my twelve year old's growing up and she's just like telling me, Daddy, daddy, why can't you You know, why don't you buy me this? Why don't you buy me that? And I've always given my little girl everything she ever wanted. But I was like, oh, you know what? Sometimes you just got to struggle. You got to suffer. You got to go through shit. You can't expect people just to always give you what you want. Because if I do that, I'm going to create a monster. A monster addicted to possessions and commercial goods. A monster that's somebody who's going to be over-commercialized. And the fact is, is, she's nowhere prepared to being an adult and facing the real life decisions. I think about what my parents prepared me and didn't prepare me, and I'm very thankful for both of them. Whether my father was in my life full time or not, my mom was there, workaholic, you know, me and my mom clashed. but I love my mom for making me a hard worker. Knowing that you can appreciate little things and you can go a long way. And I'm 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 so thankful every single day of my girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? I'm so thankful that, you know, I want her to be my wife. She helps me sometimes keep me on the straight and narrow night, vice versa. She does more for me than I than I realize. And I owe her that gratitude. And just now we're starting to get along, you know, really good and not having serious issues. We're focused on progress. But I think about all those other people who are not focused on progress. They're just focused on just get by today. Just Let, let me not have to... You know, I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to go through having to eat Top Ramen for the next three days, that 59 cents, a couple noodles so I can use that whatever $40, $50 I was supposed to use for groceries to use it for the rent or use it for PG&E or gas, electric, you know, or or even gas for the car or or insurance. Promising your kids, I'm going to give you a better life. But the thing is, is like you think about guys like Jeremiah who just gave up, stopped, got addicted to shit, now he's crying for help. I think it's a pretty I think it's a pretty bold and important thing that we need to take p- personal possession of and accountability for. I think that it's more like this is my challenge to every single freaking religious institution out there. If you are going and preaching out God's will and God's grace and God's love, then you need to be helping these people in a serious way and I'm not just talking about you know organizing a soup kitchen. I'm talking about let's house some of these people. You got big, you got big ass mausoleum, you know, multi million dollar churches. You know, and I, I think like about guys like Joel Olstein in who's in Houston, Texas, and he's got like thousands of followers. But I think about and I hear about all the people that are homeless in in Texas too. I think even in my where even Stockton they have these big churches these performance theater style churches and and they they don't home house anyone they don't help anyone they help people in divorce recovery and and sure i'm 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 glad that that's all great but the people that are suffering on the street and then they go bigger about politics and trying to make that the religion is in the politics and the politics is in the religion. And then they can't figure out why they can't get along. And then they create this more havoc of trying to blame someone else for the why the economy is going voting for this politician who's a jackass who doesn't know what the hell hell's up and know how to shut his mouth and just do the work. Politicians are not our answers. Never have been. The two party system never been that way. So what I want to go with, and why I, I want to end this uh, this particular episode with, and thank you for for all you who've bear with me to listen to it all. But it's a pretty in depth issue. Is I want you to leave with the instance that it's not some so much giving a twenty dollars to a homeless man, but I think that reaching out to the organizations that really do need your help. You know, if you have a business hiring someone that may be less desirable, maybe your best worker. You know, understanding that these some of these addicts, they, it's it's gonna it takes some years to get off of that shit. Having some leeway, having some empathy. I'm not saying to feel sorry for everyone. Give someone some training, and you know, and stop subscribing by the masses to things of overpriced and overinflated goods and services, including medications, uh, doctors. Um, you know, services, going to a restaurant. I mean, let's face it. Was it last week I was in San Francisco and I paid $140 to go eat at this restaurant and it was Italian food. And and it was like the food I paid for, I could have made better myself. So, um, to end this, I just want to say that if you know someone displaced or meet people, let's help make solutions. Let's find pathways. This is, uh, Jason, uh, your, your host with good vibes of Jason B. Um, a broad minds and more podcast. I'm looking for your input. I'm looking for your influence. If you took in time to listen to me, thank you so much. Y'all have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. And, uh, thank you.